This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, June 24th, 2021. On this day in 1991, 40-year-old Austrian journalist and serial killer Jack Unterweger secured a ride along with the LAPD. While he claimed to be researching an upcoming article, Unterweger was really scouting for more victims. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this killer's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of murder and suicide that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're exploring how Jack Unterweger deceived the Los Angeles Police Department. Though for a time he was treated as a revered writer and journalist, Unterweger was later exposed as a serial killer who claimed at least 10 victims. Let's go back to Los Angeles on June 24, 1991. 40-year-old Jack Unterweger awoke early in his room at the Cecil Hotel. It was a famous building in L.A., known for a history of strange and macabre deaths. It was the perfect place for a man like Unterweger, who had his own twisted and violent backstory. He rubbed the sleep from his eyes and rolled out of bed to get dressed. He pulled on white snakeskin boots and a flashy jacket he had chosen for the visit. He was in L.A. for a business trip on behalf of an Austrian magazine. He wanted to make an impression. The attire wasn't exactly inconspicuous, which was odd, considering that Unterweger was in the middle of a killing spree that spanned three different countries. Most murderers would have tried to avoid detection. But Unterweger was the opposite. He wanted to throw himself right in the middle of the action. So he combed his hair back, checked over his outfit, and grabbed his press credentials. He'd been commissioned to write an article about crime and law enforcement in Los Angeles, and he had an early meeting with the LAPD. That same morning, homicide detective Fred Miller read a report about the brutal slaying of a 20-year-old sex worker named Shannon Exley. Exley had been strangled with her own bra, and Miller was concerned that her murderer would strike again soon. The killer had been disturbingly methodical. He hurriedly called the division that was handling the case for more details. He had no idea that the culprit was just a few hundred feet away from him that very moment. Jack Unterweger strutted into the LAPD offices with a confidence reserved for those who truly think they're smarter than everyone else. That was because he knew what the police didn't. He was the murderer they were after. He had killed Shannon Exley, and now he was on the hunt for his next victim. 
But rather than roam the streets for another sex worker to target, he decided to enlist the help of the police. So he made a beeline for the receptionist. Unterweger flashed his charming smile and rattled off his press credentials before asking if he could talk to someone about a ride-along. It was easy to believe him. He had all the right paperwork, and he knew just how to manipulate someone into doing what he wanted. His request was passed up the chain. Soon enough, word came back to him. He had an appointment scheduled with Sergeant Steve Staples for the very next day. Unterweger made his way back to the Cecil Hotel a few hours later, smiling to himself. He got a rush from outsmarting the cops. It was all too easy. He knew the LAPD had found Shannon Exley's body. He knew they were searching for a suspect, and he had just walked right into their downtown offices, scheduled a ride-along with them, and then left with no one the wiser. He could hardly contain himself as he headed back up to his room. He could only imagine what his ride-along the next day had in store. Up next, Jack Unterweger murders two more women. Every so often, something so impactful happens, it has the power to capture the attention of a whole country. An event so deadly or dumbfounding, it has no choice but to live on in infamy. Hi, Parcasters. It's Ashley Flowers, and I'm exposing the most sinister cases from the darkest corners of the globe in my new True Crime Limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, come along as I guide you on a wicked world tour. 15 different countries, 15 infamous crimes. Take a trip to Iceland where six people confessed to a murder that never actually happened. Journey to Mexico where a Lucha Libre wrestler moonlights as a serial killer. And travel to New Zealand where two friends hatch a deadly plan to become famous. Each episode of International Infamy explores the twists and turns of a notoriously high-profile case, zeroing in on the cultural details which make the crime unique to its location, and explaining why it couldn't have happened anywhere else. Follow my new Spotify original from ParCast, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers, and catch a new episode every week. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On June 24, 1991, Austrian journalist Jack Unterweger obtained permission to ride along with LAPD officers. The very next day, he joined Sergeant Steve Staples on a drive around the city. Unterweger used the opportunity to case the city for his next victim. Meanwhile, Staples had no clue he was chauffeuring a dangerous serial killer. 
A few days after the ride-along, Unterweger claimed his next victim. He killed 33-year-old sex worker Irene Rodriguez by posing as a customer and then strangling her with her own bra. Five days later, he struck again, murdering another sex worker named Peggy Booth. It's not known for sure whether he targeted the women after spotting them on the ride-along, but it's possible he did. After Booth's death, 40-year-old Unterweger returned to Austria on July 16th. His trip had come to an end, and with his departure, the case grew cold. However, he wasn't entirely in the clear in his home country either. The three women he'd attacked in L.A. weren't his first victims. Over the previous year, he was thought to have murdered seven sex workers in Austria and one more in Prague. Austrian authorities were left as perplexed as their Los Angeles counterparts. Though Jack Unterweger fit the bill as a prime suspect, no one was focused on him, at least not yet. Unterweger thought he was untouchable. In Austria, he was a famous poster boy for successful criminal rehabilitation. A little over 15 years earlier, in 1976, he was arrested and charged with the murder of 18-year-old Margaret Schaefer. It was undoubtedly a horrific crime, and he was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison. But while behind bars, Unterweger started writing. He penned poems, plays, children's stories, and novels. He even became a quasi-celebrity in the literary world. His memoir, Purgatory, was critically acclaimed. Soon, the who's who of the European literati started to call for his early release. They argued that he was the prime example of a criminal who had changed his ways in prison. They felt he should be celebrated and rewarded, not kept behind bars. On May 23, 1990, after 15 years in prison, 39-year-old Unterweger was released. To the world, he pretended to be rehabilitated, but that was far from the truth. In September 1990, just four months after being released, he murdered a Czech sex worker named Blanka Bokova. Over the next six months, he killed seven more. But while some on the police force suspected Unterweger was responsible, there was hardly any evidence. So he was free to travel the world. After his L.A. trip, Unterweger returned to Austria, assuming he was still free of suspicion. But it didn't take long for authorities to finally start putting the pieces together. By February of the following year, Austrian police believed that the great, rehabilitated Jack Unterweger was actually a serial killer. They got a search warrant and raided his apartment but Unterweger had already fled the scene. He made for Switzerland, then Paris, and eventually ended up in Miami. For over a year, he had been meticulous about destroying any evidence tying him to the murders. But as he tried to run, he started making mistakes. He used credit cards when he shouldn't have and attempted to contact journalists to plead his innocence. The U.S. Marshals tracked him down and arrested him on March 5, 1992. 
After that, Austrian and American police offices started trading information. It became clear that the killer they were both looking for was one and the same, Jack Unterweger. He was extradited to Austria, where he was charged with 11 murders, including the ones he'd committed in L.A. and Prague. The jury found him guilty of nine, and he was sentenced to life in prison, this time without the possibility of parole. Unterweger said he would appeal, but the very next day, he died by suicide in his cell. Whether it was his intention or not, Unterweger's final act muddied his conviction. Under Austrian law, guilty verdicts weren't legally binding until the requested appeals process was completed, so he was never technically confirmed as guilty for his crimes. However, none of that changed the public's perception. As far as the world is concerned, Unterweger was one of Austria's greatest monsters. That's the legacy that's remained since his death. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Paul Liebeskin, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Burns, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Bennett Logan. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, listeners. It's Ashley Flowers, and here's a quick reminder to check out my new true crime limited series, International Infamy. Every Tuesday, I'm taking you across the globe to look at 15 of the most notorious crimes from 15 different countries. Some stories are sure to shock. Some may leave you stumped, but all are quite the trip. Follow my new series, International Infamy with Ashley Flowers. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.